This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Elizabeth Wetlaufer's two-hour confession video is being played in a Woodstock courtroom. As expected, she pleaded guilty to 14 counts of murder and attempted murder and waived her right to a trial. But the shocker was that she said she was sober and lucid, not under the influence of drugs or alcohol at the time of the killings, even though she has had substance abuse problems in the past. It's all horrible. It's tragic. But right now, I'd like to focus on something we already knew. Wet Loafer was suspended four times for medication errors. Ultimately, she was fired for it. So how in the world was she subsequently hired again? And what has to change to make sure this never happens again. We are just learning that CARP is calling for a public inquiry into the case. And on the line, we have Wanda Morris, the VP of Advocacy for CARP, and Jane Meadus, a lawyer for the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Lovely to be here. Okay, Wanda, uh, let's start with you. Why do we need a public inquiry? You know, I think if we look at the context, in uh, the 1980s, we had alleged uh, poisonings at Sick Kids Hospital. There was a, a royal commission. In, in the 2000s, we had uh, five people that died uh, from contaminated w- water in Walkerton, and there was a public inquiry. We have the situation with Elizabeth Wetlaufer, the recent uh, death of, uh, of James Acker in long-term care, and stories that come to us every day about neglect and abuse uh, and uh, accidental death in long-term care. It's time to shine a spotlight on these issues. Jane, do you think this is a good idea? Yes, we've been we've been um, certainly asking for an inquiry since the beginning of this. Um, the issues are more than what, say, a, a coroner would want to would be able to look at because we want to look at their actions as well. And I totally agree. We need to look at what's going on in long-term care and how we can prevent these types of incidents from happening. Okay, so basically, what you're saying is that this public inquiry uh, has to be broader than than just this case. But absolutely. I really believe so. And, and Libby, I mean, we could have one in Ontario. We could conceivably have one right across the country because the issues that we're hearing about here, we're hearing about in other provinces. It seems that, uh, you know, in many cases, long-term care homes have become warehouses for the elderly where they are greeted with you know, neglect or disinterest. We need to do better. Uh, yeah. Um now, I, I want to go back to this, uh, the chain of events. She was suspended four times for medication errors. errors. She was ultimately uh, fired for it. And then she was hired again, I believe, because the new employer didn't have access to that record. I think there were privacy issues involved. Uh, Jane, can you uh, clarify that a bit? 
So uh, my understanding would be, you know, like anyone, um, you know, uh, the, we, it's innocent till proven guilty. Um, and so just because there's something that goes to the college does not mean that that information is going to be made public because, you know, there's, you know, doesn't matter where you work, people make complaints and, and they may or may not um, have any legitimacy. So they, they're not going to publish every single complaint that comes through. I think that this is one of the things that I, you know, I think the College of Nurses has to, all the colleges have to look at, uh, but would also be looked at in an inquiry, is, is there a process that uh, we need to have in place um, where these kinds of serious issues around medication misuse, um, you know, something that's in real danger, um, it's either that, that it's more of a reverse onus, so if any kind of allegations of that type happen, there's an automatic um, either suspension of a, of a license or that they have to be supervised at all times, for example, and that maybe we have a system where there's a rapid response so uh, that it doesn't take, you know, the years that sometimes it does take for the colleges to, to, to you know, look at these cases, that we need it to be done very quickly in this type of case. Okay. Wanda, is, is that the source of the problem, in your opinion? Libby, I, I think what we have here is really a wicked problem. We have you know, multiple determinants, multiple issues, multiple symptoms, and, and unfortunately there isn't a quick and easy, a quick and easy answer. I mean, certainly um, better control from the, the licensors of the healthcare professionals, absolutely a quicker response, that makes sense. But we've got uh, really toxic environments that are, are breeding problems, I mean, shortages of staff, uh, um, lack of funding, uh, unwillingness to enforce uh, breaches of regulations. There's just a, a number of, of different uh, and, and very serious issues here. Uh, you've, you've put your finger on one thing, uh, shortage of staff. I mean, uh, overnight, uh, I believe she was alone there, and that probably would have made it a lot easier to do what she did. And that's a very common uh, in most nursing homes where uh, the person would be a registered nurse or an RPN would be alone at night. Um, there's only a requirement for there to be one registered nursing staff in a long-term care home um, at, at any time. Um, and, and so at night, it is very common for there to be a skeleton staff, um, and that's one of the problems. I want to open the lines to our listeners if they have loved ones in long-term care or they've had some previous experience with it. Um, We've talked many times about the case of James Acker. That was a different case where he was attacked by another resident with dementia, and he ultimately died of his injuries, and uh, the attack could was not stopped for whatever reason. Uh, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Elizabeth Wetlofer has pleaded guilty to 14 counts of murder and attempted murder. Uh, she's admitted to first-degree murder of eight people. She is has said she has admitted that she was sober and lucid at the time of the killings. And uh, the court is hearing a two-hour confession video, which must be excruciating for the families. But uh, we are all waiting to hear what the motive might be. Uh, so we'd like to know about your experience. 416-360-0740. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. I'm on 
the line with Wanda Morris, VP of Advocacy for CARP, and Jane Medes, a lawyer for the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. And we are talking about what has to be done to make sure this does not happen again. Uh, how extensive do you think changes have to be? I think that we need, uh, it, you know, we really need a culture change. I think um, one of the things is that we're certainly getting people who are sicker in long-term care, uh, more people with dementia, and they really cannot speak out for themselves. You know, so they cannot come out and say, you know, hey, this, you know, I saw something happen. Um, so the eyes in the home, uh, you know, is something that we don't have. I think that we're, you know, we're getting to the point where we really need, um, you know, cameras in all of the common areas, cameras in the medication rooms, change to the way things are done so that, you know, we're really protecting these vulnerable um Residents. You know that 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 almost sounds like a, a an easy solution. Mm-hmm. Cameras cameras in, med, in in different places. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're not certainly wouldn't want cameras in in rooms. That's a privacy issue. Um, but for example, if there were some issues, you know, at least they would know. You know, if there was certain staff going into rooms and and you know more control over you know like cameras in in the in the um, in the medication rooms and. You know, this, this case, you know, I've been watching um, the reports coming out of the court, and she said the reason that she used insulin, because nobody was tracking it. Um, and, and we know that insulin can be used to kill people, and that I get complaints about not that, but about, you know, people not getting the right amount of insulin or not getting it at the right time. And so one, one really wonders about the tracking of those kinds of medications. Mm, that's uh, pretty scary. Uh, let's go to uh, Natalie in Scarborough. Hello, Natalie. Hi. I just want to make a comment. My mother is in a long-term care home. Um, it's not in her case so much as the nurses having trouble with the nurses. It's with the dementia patients, Alzheimer patients, that are some are on a separate floor and the floor's locked but a lot of them are mixed up with the regular patients. So there is biting, shoving, pushing. I have been called before many times. They tell my mother because she doesn't have it and she can think clearly that um, there's nothing she can do. The people that have the dementia, they're okay. They're not gonna charge them because they have it. So meanwhile, my mother gets beaten up by the patients because beaten there's nothing up. she can do. She gets beaten up. Yeah, all the time. All the time? All the time. And nothing is done? Nothing is done. And they say there's nothing she can do because she thinks clearly, and you can't do anything about the patients that have dementia. And they're mixed up with all the regular people. And, and can you move her somewhere else? I mean, obviously that situation is very unacceptable. It is. And the problem is it took me so long to get her into this place. And honestly, I have to say the people themselves that run it are wonderful. They really are wonderful. But it's the mixing of the patients that I have a problem with. Um, ladies, Wanda, Jane, do you have anything to say about this? Well, this, is, this is certainly something, the kind of complaints we get. And there's, there's different, you know, ideas of whether people should be mixed or not. Um, but I think the bigger issue is that the staff have to take steps to prevent that from happening. 
and um, the home does owe her mother a duty uh, to provide her with a safe uh, environment, and that means preventing this sort of thing from happening. Um, you know, you can go to the ministry and make complaints. It is very difficult because everyone just sort of throws up their hand and says, it is, oh, well, this just happens, and this is exactly this complacency. Oh, well, you know, if you live in long-term care, you're going to get hit by other people, and there's nothing we can do. And, in fact, there are many things that can be done. Um, we need to give the homes the right tools and enough money uh, for staffing and programming um, to make sure these things aren't happening. Aren't happening. And and can you just give us an idea of the things that can be done? Well, a lot of the time, um, you know, there's, you know, certainly, you know, redirection and that sort of thing. But, you know, if you go into a long-term care home, um, you see people really just kind of wandering aimlessly around. They don't, you know, there's not enough programming there. I think that some of this comes out of boredom. Um, some of it comes about not watching people. There are certainly triggers that people have. It's, you know, it's a very unique depending on the people, but I think we really need to get... Um, really look at how we're providing, you know, we are just warehousing people. We need to do better. Mm-hmm. And, and I can just pick up on that. I really agree with what Jane said. I mean, in, in Ontario last year, there were over a, a thousand incidents of resident on resident aggression. Uh, so, you know, I guess the, the silver lining to the James Acker case is that uh, the public are starting to get aware of what's going on. And, and this comes back, you know, to the call for a public inquiry. The issues are, are so um, complex and so extensive that it's, uh, we really need this to to be the focus of public attention. Okay, uh, Natalie, uh, thanks very much for your call, and and we hope you can get resolution. You know, often squeaky wheel. If you just keep uh, keep at it with this nursing home, we'll do. We'll do. Thank you so much. And uh, you know, keep us keep us in the loop. If this happens again, you give us a shout right away. But but I mean, to me, that's just horrible. I know, I know, and I feel bad because there really is nothing I can do. I've told my mom, just go to a nurse or somebody there. Do not go near the person that's pushed you or bitten you. Just go see somebody who can do something about it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's uh, let's go to uh, Bruce and Markham. Hi, Bruce. Hi. I, you may have touched on this. I was... I'm, I missed you talking about the drug control. I just wondered, in the the case of the the Woodstock nurse, do they not miss um, or see that there's more insulin being, like, sort of, I guess, disappearing than should, based on who's supposed to get it, or or is it such a minor amount that they can't track something like that? Um, I would imagine it certainly can be tracked, uh, Jane. Yeah, and I think, you know, we don't know, um, you know, how these things were tracked. Um, I think the problem is that with insulin, you know, unlike a narcotic, I think it has some, it has lesser controls. And this would be something, you know, it's hard to speculate. Um, She said that she did it because it wasn't tracked very well. Um, And I think it depends on how the home, you know, was the home getting it sort of a bulk type of thing where, you know, maybe it wasn't being monitored so well, and it, it should have been, um, and that's a really big question as to what happened. I mean, absolutely should have been, um, and I guess, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, ladies, aren't there protocols for tracking of drugs? Absolutely. And yeah. so would would this just, I mean, we can't speculate, I guess, but 
you know, you would imagine that this would probably be a case of, of you know, noncompliance. It would be a case of noncompliance. Um, I mean, the problem with something like this is that, you know, because, you know, again, because you have people who are not able to speak and, and you know, say what, what's happening, you know, she could have taken somebody else's dose or a couple of other people's dose and give it to them and give it to, to the one person and just not given the other people but wrote that she did, right? Because nobody's watching her. So we don't know what happened. We don't know if it's that she stole it from other people or they just weren't keeping very good track of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that opens up another whole can of worms. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it really points to the issue is that when you're working with frail and vulnerable, it's just about impossible to foresee every potential area of danger and to close every potential risk because I'm I'm guessing that if insulin hadn't been available that she would have found another way to achieve her aims and and what we need to do is is look at the culture that is happening in long-term care homes and why these um why they've become so toxic that uh, that this behavior has you know been able to flourish okay uh Bruce thanks for your call thank you uh, Let's go to Jean uh, in Palmerston. Hello, Jean. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I have I have many comments on this case. I did call you when uh, Susan was first arrested for this. I have worked in long-term care. I had two parents pass away in long-term care. The problems, I sit on a municipal level of government, our local council. Uh, my husband sits on county council. And the problems in long-term care are legion. The, um Every county has one long-term care facility that's funded by the county to the tune of some 7 to $8 million over and above the funding that's afforded to the other places, of which the home where Susan worked was one of them. Crest Susan, care, you mean Elizabeth. Which, oh, sorry, Elizabeth. Okay. And it was a Crescent Care home, and they're privately funded. So those people are receiving the same funding, but they're looking to, to make their living from it as well. So when you listen to differences between the programs and the staffing levels and the services that are provided for the residents between the two sorts of homes, it's appalling, the care that's provided in some of them. Staffing issues are huge in long-term care. They're not paid at the same rate of pay of nurses in acute care hospitals, which I don't understand how that's allowed to happen. Pay equity was made law years ago, but it does happen. And that's how people who have had trouble in the past can get hired again because they're desperate. They're mandated to have one RN on staff 24 hours a day or a registered staff. It could be an RPN. Um, So they take what they can find. And as far as the medications, if you're giving insulin to people or you have a lot of diabetics, you're going to have some insulin in the fridge as a backup in case they need an extra dose, in case they got into something extra they shouldn't have eaten. And she could access that medication. She could bring insulin in from outside. There's nobody supervising in medication practices. Frankly, I'm a nurse, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but they are appalling amongst nurses uh, because of time pressures. Jane, Jane was just suggesting that cameras in medication rooms uh, would be a good idea. What's your thought on that? Well, I mean, they would see that you're getting insulin, but she could certainly come up with a plausible excuse. She probably has 20 patients in a long-term care facility that are receiving insulin. It can't be unit dosed. It's not packaged. It's a vial, and you withdraw the dose because they change. They're usually on a range. So it's not a dose that can be packaged by a pharmacy. Most medications in nursing homes are prepackaged by a pharmacy and come in blister packs. And you can't alter or change the doses. It is what it is. But with insulin, you can't do that because it's usually given on a scale, depending on what their blood sugars are for the day. So she has access to extra insulin. Every nurse does. So you could see her handling the insulin bottle, but for you to catch what she's actually drawing up in the syringe, 
must be pretty hard to do. And uh, what's your thought on a public inquiry? Oh, absolutely. The, the system needs an entire overhaul. It, it isn't fair and equitable. And those homes that have the extra funding, they have lovely facilities with extra staff and one-on-one opportunities for those aggressive patients so they can sit with them. The other homes that are running for profit have the same funding base, and they can't afford that. They simply don't have the services. And you won't get your parent into that lovely long-term one. The one in Kitchener, for instance, has a seven-year waiting period. <laughs> I know some of those waiting lists are something else. Now, you, you bring up the subject of money. And right. oh, um, yeah. I, I'd like uh, input from all, all three of you on this. It all comes down to money. I mean, you know, there's always this push-pull. We have a lot of things that need funding. Money. I mean, it sounds like we would need a lot of money into the system to fix these things. I mean, even talking yeah. about pay parity with nurses in acute care. Yes. And in my opinion, the long-term care system needs to be taken back over by the Ministry of Health. It is called the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care. They have handed it over and allowed privatization, and it's just, I mean, we've fought against privatization of healthcare in Ontario for years and years and years because of exactly this, the inequities in the systems and the, the if you get the bad luck of the draw and you get into the wrong home, and if your parent is in a long, is in a hospital and they're discharged, you have to take a bed, otherwise you're taking them home or you're paying for ALC in the hospital if the hospital has ALC beds and if they have any available. So either way, people are reaching into their pockets to fund the care for their parents. And the way we treat our elderly in this country is just abysmal. It is absolutely dreadful. They've given their lives. They've raised us. They've built this country. And we shove them into, as you call, senior citizens' warehouses. And I I would just comment that I think that there are good and bad of all types of homes. Um, Yes, yes, I agree. some, Some municipalities and counties and stuff do put extra money in. I wouldn't say that that's universal, and in fact, some, you know, you have to be very careful when you're looking at it because some, uh, whether it's municipal or charitable homes, um, if you actually look at it, you'll discover that they're actually being managed by one of the for-profit institutions, and so there's really no difference. So you have to be very careful, um, and there's good and bad of all of them. I, th- I right. think that's, that's, uh, that's a pretty good call, Jane. Uh, and Jean, thanks so much for your call. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, we are beginning to run out of time on this. Uh, uh, final thought on this. Let's uh, start with Wanda. Yeah, thanks, Libby. I mean, this is, is in the news today, you know, and maybe tomorrow, and then I suspect it's going to, to die down again. And I think it's just incumbent on all of us to, to raise this and make sure that it, it does get addressed. I just encourage all your listeners to um, go to our website to find out more, uh, to join CARP, and to raise their voices for equitable long-term care for everyone. Okay, Wanda and Jane? And I would totally agree, and I think that, you know, you need to go to your politicians as well. This is a provincial issue. Um, because healthcare is provincial, so you need to go to your MPPs and demand that we do better and demand, you know, an inquiry um, and and to really look at the system to, to fix it. And I think it really, I agree, it totally needs an overhaul. Okay. Ladies, thank you very much for this. Uh, sorry that uh, the occasion was uh, something so horrible. And uh, we will stay on this because this is a big issue for us here on Fight Back. Great. Thanks, Thanks very thank much. Thank you very much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.